Hey guys, Rick here. This is a replay of the Jock Market Power Hour that we did on Wednesday. If you've never heard of Jock Market, it is stock market DFS. It's kind of building out a really great niche and a really great space in the fantasy world. It's a lot easier to win than some of your more traditional fantasy sites, and you can uh, invest in golfers and other athletes over the course of just one day. So it's a lot of fun, and uh, I highly encourage you to join us over there. Uh, If you have not signed up yet, the code that you want to use to get a $20 deposit bonus is POWER20. That'll give you a $20 deposit bonus. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. We talk through strategy for the week. And because you can buy and sell during the tournament, it is still relevant. And we do chat through um, you know, some, some strategy and things like that for not only this week and the, ne- the next couple of days, but also for all week. So uh, I hope you enjoy as much as you did last week and uh, best of of luck in the jock market. Welcome in. This is the jock market power hour for this week's Gen- Genesis Invitational. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Joe Idoni. And look at this a very special guest. It is Sal Vetri of the Sal Vetri Media YouTube channel. Sal, what up? What's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm happy to be here. Happy to be on the Power Hour. I've tuned in the last couple of weeks, and it's been uh, it's been fun watching you guys get at this thing. This show has it's taken off right from the start, so I'm excited to be on it. As I don't know if I'm the first guest, but I'll, I'll plant my flag as the first guest. I'm excited to uh, to make that. If there's somebody else that already did, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. No, you are the first guest. You are you are the first one we've had on, Joe. Uh, how are you, man? Good to see you again. I'm doing good. What's good, fellas? Uh, Rick, you are kind of sandwiched between a couple of guys with uh, vowels in their last names this week, huh? Oh, we wow. Yeah, that is true. I like that. That's <laughs> cool. That's cool. Uh, Sal, you know, what What really caught my attention, you're right, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks. What really caught my attention was yesterday, the opening bell. I'm just on YouTube. I'm actually on the couch, just clicking through YouTube. I see the opening bell. I'm like, oh boy, I, I got to see what's going on here. You are rocking right. a, a live uh, I don't want to call it a power hour. It is the opening bell. It's it's the IPO phase of NBA. Am I right? This is correct. Yeah. So we've been we try to talk some of the guys at Jock Market about there, something during an NFL season. Kind of felt weird with the season coming to an end to start a show up around that time. So right now at the NBA and kind of full swing of things at this point, not even halfway done. Figured that this would be a nice time to launch it. So we did it yesterday. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a ton of upside from it, seeing what you guys were doing and just seeing the upside that was coming from there and just how fun it looked. Another part of it, just something refreshing, I would say, in the space. Yeah, it's something that I wanted to get a part of. I love it. I love it. We are going to spend the next hour or so, Sal, we're not going to keep you the whole time, but we're going to spend the next hour or so talking about the golf version of the jock market for this week for the Genesis Invitational. We'll go through the IPO phase, which is going to close just before 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you have not signed up and downloaded jock market, what are you doing? If you if you're waiting for a for a deposit bonus, I got one for you. It's called Power 20. Use that, Joe. We've got Genesis this week. How stoked are you for this? Yes, sir. Big boy field this week uh, out in L.A. So we got a bunch of the uh, top ranked players in the world all teeing it up this week. Um, Should be a ton of fun. Ready to go. The thing about jock market, Sal, is and and, and Joe and I talk about this a lot. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Um, You know, we've got we've got some whales. We've got some 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 guppies. I mean, it doesn't matter 
to me, I mean, you could you could enter the jock market with a couple bucks, buy a share or two. You could get in there with a couple thousand, and and there's really no uneven playing field, kind of like there might be in, in other fantasy formats. Do, am I assessing that correctly? Yeah, I agree, and I think that also like going along with that is you have shares from when you have 70 plus players in a jock market to choose from you're just going to be having shares from all the way down okay you don't want to pay it for the guy who might be if it's tonight an eight dollar share per golfer and you're only playing with a smaller bankroll you want more shares of that maybe let's just say dollar two dollar per golfer you can have that upside depending on the sport that it is so that's just branching off of that it doesn't matter what your bankroll is you're also going to be able to get a decent amount of shares of some guys because sure maybe they don't finish first overall they're not going to be ranking as winning the golf tournament but they're going to be coming in a situation where okay they, they outproduce 10 15 positions that's still roi positive return for you yeah how, how does that change for for basketball i, I mean obviously I, i'm assuming there's less kind of juice to squeeze for the lebron james's of the world the Giannis's of the <laughs> world they almost have to finish what top i don't know couple of spots it's just a different strategy right yeah so it's a different strategy there's a couple of things it really depends on the slate so like smaller slates yeah like it, like yesterday was a six game slate and those guys all finished one two three and it was like you can almost okay. see it coming they finished <laughs> one two three but there's some slates where Giannis is like the only big elite star on like maybe a seven or six game slate. And it's just like, okay, I mean, he's only selling at like $13 a share. This is the guy that is lots of the times going to be finishing in the top three and you can almost lock in the profit. So that's one thing. The other thing is the injury news. Like imagine right now if we were on this and it was like, all right, John Rom's out. He has like a, his groin hurts right now. So that's yeah. what just happens. Yeah. Nonstop. There's, they have a phantom injury policy a half hour before lock, but only the Orlando magic follow that. So it's another aspect of like, okay, well, all these guys just got ruled out. You're going to get some really nice value now in the market because of what's going on. Could you imagine Joe, if we had to deal with like, as we were on injury WD news, like I couldn't, my brain would explode, I think, buddy. Well, we've talked about this before, so we don't get a ton of information coming out in terms of injury news from the players. But what's kind of unique about it and different than other sports is in a lot of these other sports, there's a competitive advantage in terms of sort of withholding some information injury wise. We see it in football where guys will, you know, put drop the questionable status on 15 guys and you never know who's going to play. Similar stuff in basketball and golf. Uh, if you can listen to these guys talk, they pretty much tell you what it is. The only thing is you only get to hear from a finite <laughs> number of players, yeah. uh, five or six guys before the tournament each week. But uh, it's certainly nice that we don't have to regroup and sweat it out every single night and can kind of uh, work with this on a weekly basis with golf. Uh, Bernie or guillotine says Rick can name two NBA players that I can name at least I can name at least five NBA players I think so I'm doing pretty good over here uh, Sal you know we always talk about how crazy the final hour of IPO is this hour that we're going to be in right now or do you see that same thing in the NBA where guys are just like flying up the pricing uh, last minute and you're just in there getting buzzed on your phone constantly Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yesterday, Le LeBron was at five dollars a share with about ten minutes left. He finished being at around fifteen and a half dollars per share. Like everything just started spiking up. It, it was weird. Just the last couple of weeks when I've been playing, and yesterday, the, the middle range is something that kind of gets lost. When people drop to the bottom, kind of like we were talking about earlier, people are going for those guys that can finish first overall up top. So you find a lot of that value, at least in NBA, in that middle range. That's kind of similar to golf, Joe. I mean, the, the, that middle, there's there's like the penny stocks that what we refer to yeah. those guys down there at the yeah. bottom. And in, in, in our world, what, 100 and this week's 120, but sometimes 140, or 150 golfers. It, it is that like three to five dollars, Joe, that we see a lot of value come out of that range. 100%. That's where we typically see the biggest ROI on a weekly basis coming in that two, three, four dollar range because you get some guy who pops off and, you know, kind of finishes in the top eight, say, in a tournament. 
all of a sudden they're returning, you know, 600, 700% ROI four days later. Um, that's where you see the biggest jump. That's also where you probably have the most variability. Like I wouldn't expect the guys at the top, your DJs, your ROMs, your JT to, to just straight up miss a cut this week. Um, they're going to be there. They're going to play well. They're probably going to finish in the top 15 or top 20. So even if you pay up for them, you're not going to lose a whole lot, uh, most likely, but you do kind of roll the dice a little bit more with those guys mm-hmm. at the top of the field. I love it. This is a pretty good question from Austin in the chat. He says, do you find yourself getting the same guys in betting DFS jock market or diversifying over the three? Sal, I'm mostly like, I play the same guys everywhere. I'm going to have a great week or I'm going to have a terrible week. Uh, but I know there are a lot of good life hedges out there. Like, um, this guy's going to be my one and done, or I'll bet this NBA team, but I'll stack another one. How do you usually handle this? I would say the betting market is something that is the most like independent of the others, but DFS and jock market have gone pretty hand in hand just because if you can identify the value in DFS and just know where guys are probably going to be slightly underpriced. And I think a lot of the people coming into the space kind of have that baseline of it. Those guys are usually going to carry over like this week. Once I get off of this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be trying to track one of my guys out there. I mean, saying it now, Corey Connors, I'm going to be tracking the entire show uh, <laughs> as just a value type of play in DFS that I'm trying to get over in the jock market tonight. So that's kind of like the same thinking for me. There we go. Well, we just got uh, the first name of the week from Sal, and they're turning up for you, Sal. The Sal Mafia is here. They want some Dollaruski. So you mentioned Corey Connors. Do you have any other hot tips before we kick you out of here, before we let you get back to, to whatever you were up to tonight? Anybody else that you might be targeting for this week's Genesis Invitational? Yeah, so Corey Connors is somebody that I'm going to be interested in seeing where that price point lands. On the overall top end of things, I think that I'm going to be targeting, and, and I say like top, but maybe a little bit lower than that. I think Adam Scott, somebody I'm going to be trying just to watch out for. Haven't gotten a little, haven't gotten to see him all that much lately. And when we talk about all the studs in the field, we talk about guys like Jordan Smith coming on as of late in that same price range of DFS. Maybe people correlate that a little bit. I think Scott's being forgotten about a little bit, and we know he has. I mean, clear just here, right? In, in as an example from last year we know he has that upside to i mean you don't have to win it but he has that and a little bit more yeah joe i think what i'm most interested about and we're, we'll get to the the live prices here in just a minute or two but absolutely stacked field only webb simpson and terrell hatton inside the top 10 in the world that aren't teeing it up this week i don't know if we're gonna see you know we broke a record a couple of weeks ago john rom getting to 12 dollars and 51 cents in ipo i don't know if we're gonna see five guys at 12 dollars. like I, I'm, I I'm very excited to see how this plays out over the course of the next i don't know 36 minutes or so it will be very interesting because what we've seen is when those guys kind of break through that threshold or record or barrier or whatever you want to call it, it's usually um, you know one big name in a field that isn't so great. So when we saw it with Ron, but there's so many top players here at this event. It's one of those unique tournaments that has um, you know you look at the OWGR and has an incredibly strong ranking year after year. It's like this memorial, and that may be it besides the major championships, the players. Um, But it's one of those big time fields, big time events. We normally see guys uh, definitely gear up for this week. So it'll be interesting. I mean, DJ, obviously heavy favorite in the betting market. Um, DraftKings doesn't quite reflect the same uh, severance, I guess, as you see in the betting market between him and the next price guy. Uh, But that said, it'll be interesting to see where he finishes. I mean, I know he's going to finish the highest price guy, but how big is that gap between him and that next guy? It'll be interesting to see over the next 30 minutes here. Severance. That was a great vocab word, Joe. That was very nice. I'm going to start using that more often. Uh, All right, Sal. So the opening bell, tell, tell me all about it. Is it every Tuesday? What time is it once a week? What, when can the people tune in and get their jock market fix for NBA action? 
Yeah, so right now it's going to be every Tuesday at 7 p.m. So what we're going to have there is those slates are going to be locking at 7.30 is the goal of that. We've kind of scheduled this out. We might be switching it. The NBA is weird. The the, the schedule for the second half isn't out yet. So we have to wait to see if we're going to move it really? to Monday when that happens. Yeah, they're, they're basically trying to figure out like the games that are canceled. How to I fix guess it all makes sense, but I did not know that that was a thing. Yeah, like they got teams wow. right now missing the next four games. It's just very fluid. So, um, yeah, so Tuesday nights at seven, it's starting. We're going to go for an hour. The The jock market will end and it'll actually the opening bell will, I guess, technically start at 730. So, yeah, we'll be in there for an hour. We're actually talking to Dave in the back end at jock market. We're actually trying to source a potential NBA co-host for that to feed off of sort of like Ooh. the energy that you guys have. So yeah, if there's anybody out there looking for anybody got their resume handy, send it this way. Uh, if anyone can name more than five NBA players, that would be a good starting point. <laughs> Um, okay, and Sal, I, while we have you, know, we got to ask the questions that 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 everybody wants the answers to. You, uh, I assume, do not sleep, right? You are just absolutely grinding every sport, everywhere, all the time, live stream. So, my question to you is, when do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, so it's actually it's actually pretty interesting. I do I do try to prioritize. I actually get seven hours of sleep a night. I would all like right. to get even more than that, but I guess it's just trying to be as active as possible when I am awake. I learned to delegate a little bit more this year. I got to try and get, or last year, I got to try and get a little bit better at that. But yeah, we're up and about right now. I ended up, I posted that thing on, on Twitter about YouTube. They're not sending my notifications out because I'm going on too often. They're trying, to tell me, they're trying to tell me to take more care of myself. And I'm like, all right, I, I get the hints right now. But yeah, we get the seven hours in, but I get it. I mean, in the past, it wasn't that much. We're trying to prioritize it a little bit. I love it. I love it. Salvetri DFS, Salvetri Media is the YouTube name. So check that out. Lots of great stuff. Sal, really appreciate it. We're going to let you get back to your night, but it's always good to chat. It's always good to collab. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Rick. I'm going to go watch some more of the new Good Girl season. Highly recommend it. Enjoy great the show. rest of your show. Big time in the Good Girls. And he's and he's good for a for a, a show wreck too. This is the best. This is the best thing we've ever had. Awesome. Here we Love go. it, Sal. I'm going to kick you out now. See you, buddy. Perfect. See you guys. <laughs> Thanks, bud. All right. How about that? Pretty good slick. to talk some golf with uh, Sal, right? Oh man, Sal is <laughs> the best. Love that guy. All right, Joe. Let's get down to business. We are going to spend the next uh, 30-ish minutes on this IPO phase, and then we're going to talk about the strategy. But I mean, the, the, the chat is lighting up. The comments are coming through. We've got new people. We've wanted to make a really concerted effort about... Uh, hey, what you know? What is the general? We know we're getting new people every single time. So there's a comment here that I want to throw up here. Of course, now I can't find. Here we go. This is my first time doing this. I do not understand what I am doing. <laughs> is there only a certain amount of shares available for players? So Joe, why don't you just give us the general idea of what's going to happen right now and talk about how many shares are available per player? Okay. In a sense. Yes, there are a certain amount of shares. Nobody really knows what that is. And if we had that information privy to us, it'd kind of be giving away a little bit of a competitive advantage. So yeah, it could be 100 shares. It could be 1,000 shares. I'm not sure where it is. But there's a certain amount available per player. As soon as the that clears that pricing level, it will continue to bump that price up. So what you're doing is essentially putting in a bid for the minimum amount that you think those shares are going to sell for. So if you put in a bid for $7.50, as long as you are within those current amount of shares under $7.50, you will be rewarded those shares when the IPO closes in your holdings. Um, so bid what you feel comfortable with, uh, bid what you feel like the player's value is worth to you. 
Uh, and don't, you know, you don't have to go too high yet because you're going to see this price continue to tick up here over the next 30 minutes. And as this thing remains very fluid when goes through the ebbs and flows of the the closing IPO hour, which is the final five minutes are electric. Uh, just hold on tight. Hold on tight. That should be the name of the show. Hold on tight. Um, I, I love it. Great, great explanation. Let's take a peek back at last week, AT&T Pebble yes. Beach. It is Danny straight vibe and burger who gets the job done. And here are the payouts from last week. I can readjust this a little bit, make it a little bit bigger. Uh, Danny burger went off at IPO at $9.81. He paid out $25 a share. That's a $15 per share profit. Big mover Patrick Cantlay closed IPO at $6.11. He finished at $20 a share. Cantlay paid off his value, $12 to $18. Spieth paid off his, $7 to $16. Uh, all of the bigger names, Joe, I mean, I don't think we got any of the more expensive guys that were disappointments, right? I mean, they were all pretty much there by the time this thing was over. Yeah, for the most part, you're right. And you know what? Everything that you said last week during this show was pretty much spot on. <laughs> you doubted Berger. You had Spieth. Uh, you talked about Nate Lashley a lot, and he played mm -hmm. out really well. So you were on fire last week, my man. But yeah, um, interesting that I noted that sort of Patrick Cantlay obviously closed the highest price golfer, ended up paying out a good bit per share, even though he was the highest price guy uh, coming into IPO. He did the same thing uh, the previous time at the Amex. So he was the highest price IPO guy there, ended up basically doubling his profits there. So it just goes to show you that just because someone is at the top of the board doesn't mean that all the value has completely been sort of siphoned out of them. It still is there. Yeah, I actually want to pull up... Um... That, that really got me thinking about Patrick Cantlay and what he's done in cash markets to this point. So you're talking about, I mean, he's been one of the most expensive golfers outside of Zozo where he won, but I mean, he pays off the last two where he went for 12 bucks a share and he went for 10 bucks a share at the American Express. The tournament champions, he was $8. He only lost you a dollar a share. So he's been pretty safe recently. So these, these top tier guys, they're, they're expensive, but mm -hmm. a lot of times they're worth it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You got to choose wisely up here. I wouldn't just go grabbing all of them, but if you have a guy that you feel confident about a guy that you've outright bet uh, and that you feel pretty good about can take this thing down and is going to finish first, second or third. Why not? I mean, it's worth the 10, $12 a share. We've seen it in Cantlay the last two times he's teed up. Between now and just before 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, we are in the IPO phase. So you can make bids on golfers and at the close of this IPO, those shares will be allocated to you. And then we will go into the live trading mode where you can buy and sell shares of these golfers over the next four days until this golf tournament is over. Would you like to take a peek at the current prices for this? Let's week, look. Jack? All right. Before we do that, uh, you know, I, I'm going to, I actually know the answer to this. So Dustin Johnson's the most expensive golfer, but do, wanna, but do you want to, but do you want to take any guesses at guys that might be right in tow? Okay. So I looked, but it was probably a half an hour ago before we went on the air. Um, at that point it was Colin Morikawa. I would say at this point, I'm going to say that John Rahm has caught him, but I'm not sure. All right, here we go. What do we got? Live right now, Dustin Johnson is ten dollars and eleven cents a share. I think he's gonna break John. I think he's gonna break the record. I think he's gonna go for more than twelve. But it's interesting though, Rick, because like he could break that record, but 
there's so many names right there behind him. Like how many guys can really be over $10 a share? Because you have Rory, you have Rom, you have JT, you have Xander, who they have number one pre-ranked this week. And don't forget Bryson. Don't forget Cantlay, who we just spoke about. Don't forget Brooks, who's coming off a win. So there's so much depth at the top of this field. It'll be interesting to see how, I mean, I think you're right. But it'll just be interesting to see how high he can go, right? I just think the appetite for Dustin Johnson, especially after he was <laughs> in the field last week and withdrew, and he's going to a place that he's won, and we haven't been able to fire him up in a couple of weeks. I, I think, like, I, my appetite for him, it, I, I'm drooling. I'm drooling over here. I, I think he's going to break the record. I know. And Chad and I talked uh, Monday about him a little bit in like plus 550. And how could you ever bet someone plus 550? But you could almost make the argument there's some value there. I mean, he's won five of the last 15 times he's teed it up. He's got a handful of second place finishes in there. And the beauty of jock market versus the outright market in terms of betting is you don't have to finish first necessarily to pay off. So if I place a bet on Dustin Johnson to win at plus 550 and he finishes second this week, all that money's gone. Yes. It. He finishes second, <laughs> third, fourth. It's gone. He might as well have missed the cut for me. But in jock market, if he takes a T2 or he takes a T3, you can still make back some money on those shares and end up net positive if, you, if you're in for, say, 12, 13 bucks uh, at the IPO hour. You can still turn a profit on him. Let's say he goes for $12.51, which is the record. It's what John Rahm went for a couple of weeks ago. He would have to finish seventh or better to pay off. So you're basically saying, does Dustin Johnson finish inside the top seven or does he not? That is essentially the bet that you are making. Below Dustin Johnson, of course, is John Rahm at $9, okay. defending champion. Adam Scott, $7.77. My guy, I really like this week, Colin Morikawa, already up to seven fifty. But that means we've got, I'm, I'm looking hard for some of these names. Justin Thomas at seven and a quarter, Xander at 707. We'll talk about him in one second. Rory McElroy, Dust, uh, Bryson DeChambeau below $7. So um, I think, Joe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, this week, more than many weeks, this projected pre rank is going to be critical. Yeah, I think so. Anytime you're not at uh, a birdie fest, so to speak, in a tournament where uh, grinding for par is sometimes a good thing and you have so many good players, there's going to be less, I think, dispersion between the guy who just limps through the cut and finishes T65 and the guy in first. The scores are going to be pretty tight this week, I would expect. So those pre-ranks matter. So if you're in a five-way tie for second place, uh, that second place payout of $20 per share is going to got, go to the golfer with the highest pre-rank. In this case, the highest in the field is Xander Shoffley. I don't know exactly where they get this stuff from, how he got <laughs> I ranked. Don't, I don't know either. <laughs> I have no idea how that happened. But, so, but it's worth it's worth noting. Um, and, and to the point that you kind of spoke to, to Sal about a little bit, and do you play the same guys in jock market that you bet and that you do in DFS – I think it depends, right? Because just looking at this, it's it doesn't line up necessarily with the odds boards. And a lot of times you'll see value on a guy here that you won't see on the odds boards. For instance, I think you got Rory there at the seventh or eighth place guy down the field, and he's like third or fourth on your odds board. So you can find different avenues here to bet to to take guys in the jock market that you wouldn't necessarily see value on in an outright bet. Yeah, and I'm 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 so glad you know the, the rankings do not come from rickrungood.com. I'll tell you that for free <laughs> because I would have had Dustin Johnson first. But yeah, it is, I don't know it what is, happened. 
it is good to know who is first, second, third, et cetera, et cetera, especially in weeks like this. This is a really good question from Colin and one that I think is, is critically important. And he says, have you guys looked at final jock market player values for the week that may have surprised you and incorporated it into DFS ownership percentages? for a player to either play him or fade him. So this is actually something I've been kind of tinkering with over the course of the past couple of weeks because, Mm. first of all, we get this information on a Wednesday night, right? We get this information on a Wednesday night. DFS, your your normal lineups don't really close until uh, lock until Thursday. But this is like all the projected ownership all week long, Joe. That is guys like you and me doing a lot of speculating, doing a lot of calculating, doing a lot of trying to figure it out. Um, The jock market is people putting their money where their mouth is. It, yes. it is true sentiment. And what I have found is that golfers that, you know, maybe underperform in the jock market are going to come in under owned because it is actually an opportunity for people to put their money where their mouth is. So I don't have any raw data, a lot of, you know, data points to back that up, but that has been my general view and just my observation as we've done this over the past couple of weeks. That's a great point, Rick, that I haven't really thought about before. But ownership, like you said, in in something like DraftKings is all a projection. And we'll see. uh, They can project someone to be 18% owed. And we see it all the time where he comes in at sub 10. This, the ownership, is how much his price is, right? You could tell that Dustin Johnson right now is the highest ownership for sure because he's the highest price. And then John Rahm. So it's all very fluid, live, where you can see it right in front of your eyes. uh, And then just go from there. I love it. All right, let's jump into this field a little bit here because there are so many names to to really dive into. And, uh, you know, we're seeing Patrick Cantlay climb up the board a little bit. He's now $7.50. I think that there's really like... And what we've seen, Joe, is in these big-time fields, whether they're WGC events, whether they're invitationals, winning is usually a stud. Uh, now, you mentioned in the jock market, you don't have to win. To pay out. So I want to go a little bit further down into the next tier of golfers. And I see someone like a Victor Hovland, who's $6.20 coming off of a T2 at Farmers, where he returned 100% ROI. He turned his $8 IPO into $16 a share. You have Hideki Matsuyama, you have Joaquin Neiman, Matthew Wolf, and that man you love for five bucks and a quarter. Brooks Kepka, is he just gonna hang it like like is are we just gonna pay six bucks a week for Brooks Kepka and have him win every single week? <laughs> I don't know, but what I saw from him, he very much so looks back to me. I kind of wanna I didn't bet him this week. I'm probably not gonna play much of him on DraftKings, but if he hangs around this marker on the on the board here below Wolf, Neiman, Matsuyama, you can best believe I will have some. Hovland that you mentioned is an interesting one because I have him um I just I think he, he's he's a really good value play this week. I think a lot of people are going to gravitate toward Morikawa, and I have them on a pretty level playing field in my sort of personal rankings. I have Morikawa slightly ahead of him by a hair, but it's pick or choose. So if Hovland is going to go two bucks less per share or a dollar less per share, I'll gladly scoop those up rather than Colin. Yeah, so here's here's again try to illustrate this a little bit. Victor Hovland six dollars and twenty cents at the moment, so that would essentially be asking him to finish twenty sixth or better. Now he might creep up. Let's say he goes for seven dollars and fifty cents. That would be asking him to finish inside the top twenty or better to improve his share price over the course of the next four days. So when you think about that in a vacuum, wow, Victor Hovland, one of the best ball strikers on the planet in a field of one hundred and twenty, has to finish inside the top one or top twenty. That sounds that sounds pretty good to me, Joe. Yeah, and like what we've talked about many times is if you correlate 
why so many people i think are gravitating toward this platform and this app is you can see some value there like so much of the value is sucked into the juice you pay these bookmakers but if you correlate these odds with the professionals that get paid to sort of make them and see what his top 20 odds are you're better off coming into the jock market taking some shares of victor hovland to finish in that top 20 and you have sort of a spectrum as long as he finishes 20th or better, you're going to continue to incrementally increase your profits on him. Uh, and you compare that to sort of like something like the betting odds, and you'll see a lot more value in this type of app, in this type of platform. And it's more fun. And it is more fun. There is a deposit bonus. That's a question in the chat here from Bernie or Guillotine. Oh, yeah. uh, Power 20. That's the one. That'll get you a $20 deposit bonus, which... We'll get you a couple more shares of Victor Hovland when this is all said and done. Just a little bit further down the board here, I see two names that I want to get your thoughts on here, Joe. We've got three-time champion Bubba Watson at $4 even, and we've got the guy who... I don't want to say he's the hottest player on the planet. He's just got back-to-back top five finishes. It's Jordan Spieth. He's at $4.69. What do you think about those two? Okay, so I'm more interested in Bubba than Spieth. Um, I put a more emphasis on course history this week than I do most weeks. I think it's shown that in previous years that it has an impact. Obviously, three wins. I think this course lends itself pretty good to left-handed players and good ball strikers, creative players, uh, good around the greens. Look, Spieth has been playing phenomenal. The approach numbers are certainly back. But one thing to, you know, to kind of note that it's hard to just gloss over is that projected rank. When you look at Jordan Speaks, 77th. 77th. Um, so that could come into a major factor. So basically, if he does finish, say, T5 with five other guys, more than likely in a 120-man field, yeah. he's probably paying out the least of those He breaks. Three he wins no ties. He's, gonna, he he's not going to break no tiebreakers. Right. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. I would lean Bubba a little bit more this week. I bet Bubba this week uh, earlier today at 50 to one. Um, You know, he hasn't shown quite the flashes of performance and form that Spieth has lately, but I think he's got it in there coming back to a spot he likes. Okay, now a little bit further, and again, um, I'm I, I think there's 12 guys in this field who eat up the vast majority of the win equity, but these are golfers yeah. that certainly have top 10 upside, certainly can pay themselves off. So going a little bit further down, uh, you know, we've got some flavors of the week like Taylor Gooch. We've got great ball strikers like Russell Henley. We've got Ricky Fowler. There's a name that is uh, you know, every time I see. I think I saw him at 250 to one. Joe is the number that I saw. Oh on my him. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy where we're. At with Ricky right now. Is there anybody kind of down in this sub four dollar range? I mean, Matt Kuchar's had great success here, but I'm kind of out on him. Anybody moving the needle down here in this area? Yeah, I'm really trying to target guys who are coming in with with solid performance and ball striking numbers recently. I noticed that was a lot of the guys that succeeded last year came into the event in really good ball striking form. Whether I'm talking about Damon or Sung Kang or these type of guys, seemingly. Uh, tend to ride that performance into Riviera where it's very important there. So I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Lanto. I think Lanto played really well at a, at a comparable course in the farmers a couple weeks ago. I think he finished like fourth. I believe he was in that final group. So I'm looking at a guy like him for, for some value there. Russell Henley's coming in playing really well, I think is, is going to be fairly under owned in DraftKings and may uh, in turn be overlooked here as well. 
The I love that Chad says my notifications are starting <laughs> to go off. Turn your notifications on. That's too, you, you're being outbid. You're being outbid. Um, so we are going to close here in about 15 minutes, probably a bit less than that. So as we start to get into the home stretch of this IPO phase, Joe, have you ha, you usually buy a share, right? Kind of get your little placeholder. How many how many guys approximately are you are you eyeing at the moment? Okay, so I'm thinking about, so last week, I didn't do great in the job market. Um, I should have listened to you a little bit more. I had some speed. Um, you know, I had a couple of good picks. Chris Kirk, Mark Hubbard all made some money. But as you know, I went heavy on Phil, which didn't turn out very well. It did not. Um, in long way of saying, I think I'm going to try and take less total players this week. I ended up with seven or eight. I think I'm going to down to five. Um, I've got some. In orders now where I just play single shape oh. shake out. It, it is interesting. I think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm this way in a lot of different formats, right? Whether it's a tight core, whether it is like, I try to just focus on a couple of guys that I'm in love with. Right. And, and yeah. kind of just forget about the rest. It is, it is very easy to get caught up in the moment. And be like, oh, okay, I lost a bit on this guy that I like, or I got a bit on this guy. Now I'm going to run and just grab anybody, grab something. Like it's it's very easy to get caught up in the moment in the final in the final stretch here. Totally. And I wanted to ask your take. I wanted to kind of get your take on a guy sure. um, who's coming in playing great, but the odds just seemingly were a little jarring to see this week at like forty five to one up there with some of these other big names with Scott and Hideki and these guys. But Max Homa. You know, he has exactly the traits I was looking for. Great ball striking coming into the event. Feels very comfortable here. Good course history. But is he overpriced? It's close. I think it's close. I still think there's some wiggle room there. I mean, he the stretch okay. of golf that he's on right now is really reminiscent of the stretch of golf he was on last year entering this event where he finished, I think, T5. So, I mean, this, this, yeah. this is a really good stretch of golf for him at a lot of really good courses that reward his best skill sets. What I like most, most about Homa is he doesn't really blink. And, and I think a lot of it, I, I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders where he knows he's in a moment. He's not afraid of the moment. He's still going to keep the pedal down. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So I, I really like the way he plays uh, only once a winner on the PGA tour. He won that Wells Fargo championship a couple of years ago. But I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think that he puts himself in, in a good position quite a bit. Yeah, I would agree. I'm looking at him. I'm going to be interested to see his price, um, but we'll see how things catch. It seems like the last couple of weeks, the broadcast is just let's cut to Max Homa with a with a look inside ten feet for birdie here. Yeah, and he's not making all of them, which may be a good sign that shows if they all drop. Uh, you know, he does have some upside there, but he's just been playing and ball striking so well. All right, let's play the which cam game. Which cam does Joe like more, mullet cam Smith or big lanky, I guess they're both Aussies, Cam Davis? Yeah, I know why you asked me this because I bet them both, and I bet them both often, Chad. Uh, I like Cam Davis better. He's coming in playing better than Cam Smith right now. Um, who do I think has a better chance to just come here and win the golf tournament? It's Cam Smith. Who has a better chance to come in and, and I feel like the percentage is higher for them to top 20 this week? It's Cam Davis. Um, last week, I thought he was going to just straight up miss the cut at one point, did not play well on Thursday, grinded his way back to like a T14 finish. So the guy is just playing so good and gets himself there. One of these weeks when everything's going to click, he's going to win. There's a really interesting comment down here from Beery. 
Beery section C2B, I think is what it is. So he says, uh, last week I bought as much bottom end value as possible, then unloaded them all for profit before the end of the first round and bought some top end talent after round two and finished top 10. I actually think this is an interesting strategy. It's yeah. it's a lot of guessing. It's a lot of like, let me just uh, cast a wide net on these, on these penny stocks and see what I can find. But how often, Joe, how often does a guy – Nobody knows. Lead after the first round. Your Matthew Neesmiths, your Nate Lashleys, right? It happens all the time. But by the time 72 holes are over, it's Patrick Cantlay. It's Daniel Berger. It, it, you know what I mean? So I think they're, if, if you can find the right trades to make, this is a pretty interesting strategy. I couldn't agree more. Um, like you said, the cream seems to always rise to the top over the course of four straight days, but we see these guys all the time. And you look at the first round leaders in these tournaments, and it's oftentimes exactly like you said, Neesmith, Hubbard, these Hubbard, guys yeah. come out of nowhere and fire a 64. Um, but then they're over par the next day, right? What makes these, these guys at the top great is the ability to stack 66s on top of each other consecutively. Uh, and then that's why they end up on the top on Sundays. Now you will get burned the week that Matthew Neesmith uh, goes like wire to wire wins a golf tournament, but that's not going to happen too often, too often. All right, let's take a look at this because we are probably eight ish minutes away. This is this IPO phase is going to close before uh, 9 PM Eastern time. And Dustin Johnson hanging in there, $10 and 50 cents. John Rom catching up a little bit. Joe at $9 and 61. We're starting to see Patrick Cantlay move up the board. I think he was $7 and 50 cents. The last time I saw him now he's $8 and 55 cents. The number one pre-ranked golfer Xander Shoffley has made his way into the top four and Bryson DeChambeau is making a move. So kind of, uh, as we described cream rising to the top, top in yeah. golf tournaments cream is rising to the top of the jock market absolutely yeah what it, what's kind of sticking out to me as i look at it right now is jt yeah. um just kind of lingering down there i haven't heard much chatter about jt this week i don't know if what it necessarily has to do um with per se but he's playing awesome he hasn't closed great on sundays but he's found himself in contention seemingly almost every week we know that he's got really low rounds in him we know his ability to scramble in and around the greens um and i think that uh you know given the price point right now him and rory down there below finau and dechambeau kind of presents some value to me in terms of total upside somebody is bidding on Sal's Corey Connors, who's now up to $4.55. He says, keep your bloody hands off my Corey Connors. I don't think that's going to work, Sal. Usually works the opposite uh, at yeah, this now point. Now you know so what I, I go through, Sal. Yeah, Joe just uh, gets beat beat in by everybody during this during this show. Um, you know, looking back at this at this board here, um, I haven't seen much movement in Morikawa. Hovland is coming up a little bit here. Adam Scott hanging in tight. Uh, and Brooks Kepka is still $7. So this is this is pretty interesting. And then there's a pretty big gap, which I think I think this is kind of how I feel about the board, Joe. You get to $7, and then there's a pretty big gap down to $5.67, the second tier of golfers. Right now, it's being led by Matthew Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, and Cameron Tringale. Is that is that kind of how you assess this field as well? It is. Um, what you really what kind of like what I look at a lot is say you want to got a top 25. So in order to top 25, he basically um, needs to be six dollars and 50 cents is the final payout for 25th place. So if you can find guys right around that price point who you think have a really good chance of top 25 in this week. For instance, Brooks is right around there. Matthew Wolf, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Carlos Ortiz, Bubba. You know, these are guys flirting right around that price point that I think have a really good chance of top 25 in this week. And they can, you know, as they 
get better. And as they increase up the leaderboard, so does their price. So I think that that's mm. kind of a way to, to sort of look at it this week. But you're right. Um, it seems to be the top eight to ten guys every week get the majority of the bidding up at the top. And then there seems to be some value in like that 10 to 25 range. Uh, let's let's go down to the $4 and $5 cent range because we're getting some comments that there is some value down there. So I'm going to pull this up real quick here. Just we'll spend about two mm-hmm. minutes on this and we'll let you or a minute or so, we'll let you get out of here. So this four, three to $4 range, uh, Kevin Na, Harold Varner third, Sam Barnes, Mackenzie Hughes, it goes down to our boy Doc Redman, Brian Harmon, Doug Gim, or, or any of these guys doing it for you? I'm very interested in Doc this week. Um, yeah, I know he hasn't been playing well, but the ball striking has been there. I know he's your guy. We, we are typically both uh, big members of the Doc fan club. So yep. coming back to a place, obviously, where he won the US Am. So good vibes for him. Maybe that'll lead to a good putting week. Uh, but he's close, and he's the type of ball striker you're looking for at a course like this. That's all he needs. He needs the putter. He needs to get the putter working, and he'll be uh, back in contention. No problem. Okay, Joe, we are three, four minutes out, five minutes out from this closing. So you normally what we do at this time is uh, I kind of let Joe go do his thing. We catch up with him after he goes and makes all his bids and he gets allocated his shares and we see what he's at. Are you ready to do that, Joe? You ready to you ready to That's run? Cool, you're, a th- you're, a, you're a thoroughbred. All right, have fun. All the final lap of the race here. <laughs> have fun. Have at it. Um, I'm going to take us through the final couple minutes of this IPO. Describe what's going on. Describe some of the movement in the board. And I want to make sure that we are all locked and loaded. And I've got the proper numbers refreshed here, and then we'll get into this. I know everybody's head down into their phone. This is when comments stop on YouTube. Everybody is paying very close attention. And we've got movement at the top of the board because John Rahm has just surpassed Dustin Johnson as the most expensive golfer on the slate. Remember the record, which is held by John Rahm, is $12.51. That was waste management. He finished T13. He lost you 24%. But Dustin Johnson still at $10.50. The interesting thing about these two is that John Rahm is projected, his pre-rank, one spot higher than Dustin Johnson. So if these two were to end up being tied in the same position, John Rahm would get the nod for the higher payout. At $11 in IPO, you are essentially asking John Rahm to finish ninth or better to make you money. 11th or worse would lose you money. And 10th exactly, you would break even on that investment. So John Rahm at $11. Dustin Johnson, 1050, as mentioned. Xander Shoffley up to $9.50. He breaks every tie. Whatever tie he's in, he gets the highest payout. He is the number one pre ranked golfer in this field. He's coming off of two consecutive weeks where he has returned you 95% ROI and 102% ROI. He is still not as expensive as either one of those last two weeks. So Xander Shoffley, certainly a viable option. We are seeing movement. Rory McIlroy is up to $9. He's making his way up the board. He's pre-ranked as sixth. At $9, you're asking him to finish 13th or better. If he finishes 14th, that would break you even. 15th or uh, lower, you would lose a bit of money. My wife is in the chat. She said, let's see the red. There we go. The red neon lights. Now we're ready to go down the home stretch here. I'm going to give this a refresh. Make sure we've got the updated 
metrics. And we are probably within two minutes away from this IPO phase closing. So you are going to want to get your bids in now. There's no point in uh, not emptying the clip because you're going to run out of time here shortly. Uh, John Rom continues to be the most expensive golfer. Dustin Johnson continues to follow behind. And we've got big movement in that man, Justin Thomas, that Joe just told us about a couple of minutes ago. We were shocked about this price. And here we go. $10. He broke through $10 and uh, $10 even at the moment, which is essentially asking him to finish 12th or better to break you even or make you money. Uh, Tony Finau has been hanging at this $8.51 mark for, I don't know, at least 15 or 20 minutes based on my uh, observations. We are probably one or two minutes out from this IPO phase closing. It can close at any time now. So you're going to want to get those bids in. There has been little to no movement on Colin Morikawa, who is now less expensive than Victor Hovland. It is a little bit shocking. I think Morikawa, I think they're both great. I think Morikawa is a better play. Brooks Kepka still hanging down there at $7.71. And we're starting to see that gap between Brooks and Hideki and the next tier of golfers end up uh, it's getting a little bit smaller. That gap is shrinking. I'm going to give this a refresh one more time because we are coming down the home stretch here. We are probably going to close at any minute. Get your bids in right now. We're going to see if anybody can crack through $12.51. That was John Rahm's most expensive. We're seeing movement from Justin Thomas up the board. Oh, we've got four golfers. We've got four golfers now who have cracked through $10. So Rom's still hanging tight at 11. D, the, the value on DJ feels strong at this point. $10.59. Justin Thomas at 10 and a nickel. And Xander Shoffley at an even bing, 10. Bing, 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 bing. There it is. IPO is close. <laughs> catch your breaths, catch Ooh. your breath, catch your breath. Man. I All think right. I ended up with way more than the amount of guys that I said I was going to end up with. But that's how things go. Is that when you told us you were going to get like three or four guys and now you're uh, 30 guys deep? We'll see when these holdings, when they move over from orders into holdings, how many I end up with because there was a couple I was close on, but um, definitely a nail biter there down the finish. Definitely a nail biter. Funny you say that. That's also what the chat is saying as well. Um, here's here's the uh, thing. Let us know who you got in the chat. We're going to give this a minute. Let my tool refresh. We're going to let Joe's, um, you know, his shares come through, see who he actually got. We're hearing I ended up deep this week too. I don't know if people intentionally did that. Things just things just happen in the jock market, Joe. They just happen. You know, when you're just staring down and you're just like, bye, bye, bye. And then you realize how much money you actually spent here. Uh, you don't really, you're not really paying attention to in that final five minutes but it's very much fun and i hope it did well we'll see here in a second who i got i'm i'm convinced that if there's ever a uh a desktop version of this i will <laughs> lose on. my home i will lose my home <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable um okay i think i've got the final numbers here so we're gonna take a look Holy at crap. this i can't believe what i just saw yeah tell me did dj finish second yeah he did. Oh so my here we go. God. So here we go. John Rom. First of all, the, the John Rom jock market sentiment is strong. This guy, it doesn't matter who's in the field. He's going to be the most expensive $11. And Dustin Johnson, who has what half the odds as John Rom does finish at $10.59. Joe, your thoughts. So I think I may be partially to blame here because I have 30 shares of John Rahm at 11 bucks, but 
I didn't realize that nobody else down the final couple minutes was going to bump up DJ. I thought for sure, like you said, that uh, at the very end, he was going to clear 12 bucks. Me too. I'm shocked. Um, I still do feel good about Rom at 11 bucks a share. So he basically has to finish in the top 10, 10. this week to pay that yeah. off. So I still yeah. feel pretty good about that. He was my top outright pick this week. I think he's going to win. He's my one and done. All that said, I had to take him here. But like I said, it's still kind of unsettling to see that I paid more for him than I could have for Dustin Johnson. Definitely. Now, but to put this into perspective, um, that's a pretty fair number because John Rom's top 10 number, if you go and look at the odds makers, is plus 110, but they build the juice in. So it's essentially a flip. So you're essentially at pretty good fair value for John Rom. Now, if you look at it the other way for Dustin Johnson, $10.59. So what he has to do is finish... Well, 1050 would be 11th, so 10th or better. And he's minus 162 to finish inside the top 10. So, so much, such a great play there. Congrats to anyone who ended up with those DJ shares. Um, DJ very, backers. Very well played, well played. It kind of got sneaky, and I think everyone, very much like myself, just kind of assumed that he was going to finish the highest and maybe took that for granted a little bit uh, and just didn't bid him and kind of bid those guys around him and bid up Thomas and bid up Shoffley and bid up Rom, who all cleared 10 bucks. And DJ is sitting right there. Who's, you know, you look at an odds board, you've got to respect that these guys, you know, you just got to kind of take it into account that they know more than we do. So when they put a hang of 550 on them and they've got a 12 on Rom and a 14 on Thomas and it's 14 on Shoffley. Um, we kind of missed the boat there on DJ. He should have definitely finished the highest. Somebody snatched Leishman out of the hands of Sal. You have, uh, you're going to have to pay a price for that. I think my friends will see what Leishman does this week. Hovland and more. Uh, was that you? <laughs> I've got some Leishman. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about that. In a second. <laughs> Hovland and Morikawa are value says Chad. This is what I, uh, here's another great question from Rich. And again, there there's, there's things that you're going to see in the app that might be confusing at first. So he says, how the hell do guys start with $250 in the free market and hit the leaderboard right away with $500 in value? That doesn't mean much, Joe. That's just the no. value. So essentially uh, the fair value, which is based on the rankings that jock market has, uh, that's what that value is being calculated off of. So if you paid less than a golfer's fair value, you automatically have quote built in value. And if you pay more than the fair value, you would see negative numbers right now. Let the, let the golf start. Let's see what happens. And, and we'll go from there. Joe. Yes. I, I want to hear about the guys that you got. Talk me through, talk me through your Okay. shares and your portfolio at the moment, please. So I've got John Rom, obviously the highest price guy, um, 30 shares of Rom. I've got Bubba Watson as well, uh, which I paid $6 a share for, which was just under uh, the target that I had for Bubba. Uh, moving down from there, when I kind of went to the lower cost guys, I took James Hahn. Hahn, obviously former winner here. Great course history. Uh, I'm leaning kind of on his iron play and ball striking that we've we've talked about before. So I think he was a good value kind of in that three dollar range. Leishman I got at four seventy five per share. So 20 shares of Leishman. And then a couple guys at the very bottom on the cheap were Bobby Shelton and Martin Laird. I took those two guys at right around two fifty a share. So we'll see kind of how those things shake out as the week goes on. Okay, so six golfers, Rom, Watson, Han, Leishman, Shelton, Laird. This is a pretty good mix to me. You've got a, a expensive golfer, the most expensive golfer. You've got some middle guys, and you've got some penny stocks. Was that intentional, or was that just how it ended up shaking out? 
a little bit of both. Um, that was kind of intentional. I definitely wanted to target a couple of guys in that two dollar range because what can you really lose? So thirty shares of Martin Laird at two fifty. Um, if he bump, you know, blows up and misses the cut and trunk slams on Friday, mm-hmm. I lose thirty bucks. Like it's not that big of a deal. But I think he has upside to potentially, you know, top twenty five, top thirty if he has a great week. And in that case, you know, he can he can go four x on his value. Same with Bobby Shelton. Played pretty good at the Farmers. Um, in pretty good form, hit or miss, obviously, which is built kind of into the price and the reason why he was. And, and Leishman, I just think has he's really tough to nail, but mm-hmm. I think he has incredible upside. And when he scrambles, well, can win. Uh, Mike says, if there was a negative leaderboard, I'd be winning easily right now. That's hilarious. Uh, also, Chris says, this is the best part of my Wednesday night. So much fun. Thank you. Much appreciated. And there was another comment. Thanks, Chris. Tokyo Swat, I've got more money than brains. I took most of Munoz, which I think is absolutely hilarious. That is awesome. All right, back to the uh, the rest of this leaderboard here, and I've got Joe's shares coming down here at the bottom. But um, looking towards the second half of this, Brooks Kepka seven dollars and ninety nine cents. What do you think about that? This is a little higher than I was willing to go for Brooks. Um, I just think that it was a, it, that win meant a lot to him. So mm. a year ago, winning the waste management would have meant nothing to him. A year later, I think it meant everything to him. So I think just getting back in that winner's circle from a confidence standpoint, I think he's really gearing up. I saw earlier his schedule where he's going to just play a ton through Florida. I think he's playing every event through Florida. He's going to play the match play leading into the master. So I think he feels good. I think he feels healthy. And I think that he's gearing up now um, to major season. I think this number on Will Zalatoris is kind of scary good. Yes. Yeah. So he's five dollars and fifty-five cents. I mean, the guys had one bad week, and his bad yeah. week was a T fifty-five. Like he's very young. Like you know what I mean? Like that to me, he could be a top ten guy this week at five dollars and fifty-five cents. Yeah. So much upside there. Um, the kids' iron play is on another level. Um, it just worry a little bit that he hasn't had a ton of experience here, but look, he showed up at places before that he has no experiences on and contends with these top guys. It's a very top heavy field. This isn't, um, you know, Pebble Beach for Will Zalatoris, where he's got a couple of these guys to beat. If he wants to win this week, he's going to have to slay a number of dragons up there at the top. Couple things. Uh, that is the cheapest Will Zalatoris has ever been in the jock market. Five dollars and fifty-five cents. So congratulations to Will Zalatoris backers. Uh, Matthew Wolf, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland. They showed us. It doesn't matter if this is your first time playing a course, right? How many wins yes. combined do those guys have the first time they're playing a course? If you're good, it does not matter. A little bit further okay. down the board, Jordan Spieth, five dollars. So if you're playing along at home, uh, five dollars means thirty-fourth place so joe now knowing that to get jordan spieth value he's got to finish 33rd or better do you like it no i don't like it and i just and it's just a, i thought you were gonna like, say yes it's like a buy low sell high thing for me and we talked about it a couple weeks ago it was a good buy low spot now i think it may be a spot to to sell a little bit on jordan spieth going into a course where distance matters where um, I think playing from the fairway and playing smart really matters. I just don't think it's a great situation for him. You know, now going against these top guys in the field who I just think are on another level. That said, he's turned it around, man. And I think that he's sort of gearing up to make another run at this thing and get himself into contention fairly often again. Just don't think it's this week. Not for me. 
dropping below four dollars. Frankie Molinari, three dollars and eighty-eight cents. Mm-hmm. Doc Redman, three sixty-six. Doug Gim. I'm just kind of pointing out some notables. Doug Gim, three dollars and fifty-five. Gary Wood. What has Gary Woodland been up to? He's also three dollars and fifty-five cents. He's coming off of a miscut at Waste Management, forty-eighth at the Farmers. 16th at the American Express. I was just kind of shocked to see his, not that I'm a big believer in Woodland at the moment, but that name jumped out at me, Joe. Yeah, definitely. And a guy actually that I kind of forgot to mention that I put some um, a bit on very early and it ended up holding was JT Poston. Um, okay, he's he right here. $3.50. He's got a really good course history here. I think he played well at some of the comp courses that I'm looking at. Three straight top 30s at Genesis you know, to kind of open his run here. Uh, and you look at his last couple events, he's returned a great, you know, a great yeah. deal at the farmers and at the waste in terms of ROI. So I think he's trending in the right direction. Uh, I think it's a fair price at 350. He's got some some room to boom there. This is the this is like the poster boy of just like a three dollar and fifty cent share guy. Like just finish eleventh, finish eighteenth. <laughs> Fit, like never contend, yes. never worry about anything. Finish T19 and like triple my money. That is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. So uh, I, I love that a lot. Going a little bit further down, we're starting to get into these penny stocks now. You know, Nate Lashley, who uh, was one of the biggest movers last week and actually in the last two weeks, I, I wonder if, you know, I was, I didn't know what was going to happen with Lashley, right? This is that perception yeah. reality conversation that we have a lot where last week he goes for $4 and returns you uh, two and a half times your money. So he paid out 10 bucks a share the week before that he paid you basically the same thing, two and a half times your money, uh, at $2 and nine cents. He went for cheaper, than last week. And, and I don't know if people are just going to say, oh, he gave it away at the end, but it's still a really great return for him to finish T5. It is. And Lashley um, is quite a roller coaster to ride. I mean, look at just look at some of those scores recently 1400, yeah. 1200. And then he was plus seven and plus nine the two turns before that, which were which were terrible. They were probably uh, at near the bottom of the field in, in DFL in those events at plus nine at the Sony, uh, which is pretty bad. But he's a roller coaster. We've seen it. Um, you know, where he can almost make a hole in one and then he's four putting a couple holes later. So we see it in his game. We see it in his price. We see it in the volatility of his scores. But like you said, um, he seemed to be very like with the exception of that one hole. I was really impressed last week and particularly on Sunday. He was swinging it smooth, man. And it, it was coming off buttery and he was in the fairway and he was sticking his irons. Uh, was very impressive performance on the whole. I think can he carry it over consecutive weeks will remain to be seen. Uh, question about where did Jordan Spieth close? He closed at $5. So last time you saw him is exactly where he closed at $5. And then to go down to the very last page here, the penny stocks. I'm just trying to see if anything jumps off at me. Sun Kang at $2.33. He's played well here, I believe, uh, past couple of years. Wes Bryan, who has a very small sample size, but it's been a great ball striker. He's $2.10. I don't see much of note here, but these are the guys that you are just asking. So to put this into perspective, Wes Bryan, $2.10. If he finishes, basically makes the cut, right? So if he finishes 64th, which is essentially just making the cut, he's going to make you money. So anybody down in that range uh, just needs to make the cut for you, Joe. Yeah, exactly. I think I, I would... You know, I kind of missed the boat a little bit on Harry Higgs here. He was one of the guys I kind of had circled and was looking at. Has good course history. Um, I think a ton of upside. Kyle Stanley's been playing pretty well and is predominantly a good ball striker as the strength of his game, which should suit him well here. Um, you know, also 
Danny Lee seems like a boomer bust guy. And you got JB Holmes there who has a couple of wins here, um, you know, tends to like gain a boatload of strokes. When I looked at strokes game putting, when you search for like Riviera, he's like pops off in the top one or two. So he tends to have very good vibes on the green here, but there is definitely some value in this $2 range. It's just, you know, you got to kind of throw a couple darts and hope they have one of their weeks. This week where um, I, I want to talk strategy about when this thing starts, because as we mentioned, there's only 120 golfers in this field. Um, 65 and ties are still going to get through. So you're going to get plenty of golfers through this week. And I'm wondering if that changes your strategy at all, whether you are maybe more invested, maybe you might go out and get some of these quote unquote penny stocks, because if they make the cut, they make you money. I don't know if that's a viable strategy. I don't know if we should be trying to sell them, sell the cheapos after, uh, after a round or two, or, or if it's impacted at all this week. Yeah. One of the things that I thought about, and I'm not really sure which side of the fence I stand on this yet, but you know, cut day, the end of day, Friday. So after the Thursday round, if your guy doesn't play great and is maybe two or three over par, um, you know, normally there's so many more players in the field that he has to catch in order to get to that top, you know, to that top 65 and that cut line this week, there may, it may not be, the gap may not be quite as far. So he may be able to shoot a four or five under the following day and sneak through that cut and kind of get through there. So I may look at guys who are a little bit over par after Thursday and look to add them. And I think the Sunday chasers, man, we've seen some real volatility happen on Sunday. Chad and I laughed because last Sunday morning, I, I, I bought some shares of Maverick McNeely at like $14 a share, ended up finishing T2, and they were his shares, so I stole <laughs> it. I didn't even realize it to Monday, but uh, it was funny. But So you can look at guys like that who you who you see kind of flirting around, say, 10th to 15th place, and if they have a round and go out and shoot a 65 or a 66 and vault themselves up into the top four, you can still definitely turn a profit on Sunday as well, kind of because that's the closing day. That's when things pay out. That's the other thing is you are um, not going to need to shoot a 66 every day just to keep pace with the field. I mean, mm -hmm. Riviera is already, I'm already hearing the firm and fast. Those are the magic words, firm and fast. That keeps scores under control. Uh, I mean, Adam Scott shot a one under 70 last year on Sunday and won this golf tournament. Like, think yeah. about that. That never happens on never. the PGA Tour. So I, I do like the idea of, especially on moving day, Saturday, some of these guys who are freewheeling it early, might be able to go out, shoot, I mean, four under. Like if you shoot a four under 67 at Riviera on Saturday, you might be moving up the leaderboard in a significant way. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I'd, I'd be a bit partial to trying to find some of those guys Friday, Saturday, see if they can make a move up the leaderboard. And then you get to Sunday and anything in the world can happen. That's a great point, Rick. And you know what? I heard Patrick Cantlay say this week that one of the unique things about Riviera and why he likes it so much is that um, it's the type of golf course that forces you to hit this smart and the correct shot over and over and over and over and over again. Like it, it just forces you to do it. And if you don't, that's where it sneaks up and gets you. And that's where you get your double bogeys. But on the flip side of that, I think a lot of the guys when playing in that top five or near the lead may be a little bit too conservative there and take kind of the easy, you know, I'm just going to give myself an uphiller 35 footer here that I know I can two putt versus yeah. like you said, you may have some guys down the pack a little bit who are free reeling it a little bit, maybe willing to take some of those risks and give themselves the opportunity to either 
end up in the sand and have to get up and down or have a five footer for birdie. So they can really, uh, it can really reward some aggressive players, but it can also burn them at the same time. So it's going to be a great test this week. But like you said, moving day will be a very important to find some guys who can maybe get hot when those guys at the top may be a little bit too conservative. I love it. Uh, Power 20 is the promo code. That's for your deposit bonus of $20. Get you a couple extra shares. Also, you can go to rickrungood.com underneath free tools and see all of the cash market data. If you want to hit up Joe and get his fair value projections, you can do that as well, which is always fun. Joe, any parting thoughts before we get out of here for this week's Genesis Invitational? No, it's ROM week, baby. I think it's time. I usually don't go for guys at the top like this, but now that I'm fully invested in the jock market, I've got the outright tickets. I've already built a couple lineups with them. Uh, Let's pull through here, Johnny. It's John Rom week is what I just heard. We're going to find out. It's going to be a lot of fun either way. Joe Idoni, you can find him on Twitter at Torpix. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been your jock market power hour. We'll see you next week. Peace.